You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Blog Talk Radio. Check one. Check two. And here we go with the main event of the evening. Ladies and gentlemen in attendance, boxing fans joining us around the world. It's time for the Matthew Bond. Showtime, the Lipinets-Clayton fight was very competitive. Could have went either way. We'll talk about that and a variety of other items from uh, last week. And then, of course, this weekend, like I said, it is just completely jam-packed. Of course, we have Gervonta Davis and Leo Santa Cruz in a Showtime pay-per-view. We will discuss that undercard as well. It's not the most dynamic undercard, but... um, We'll see if it turns out to be action-packed. I think two of the fights will. I think one of the fights, they really have to... Oh, shoot. They really have to uh, hope turns out, and I think it'll be a decent card. But we'll get into that. Obviously, we got a variety of other things going on, too. Usyk basically taking on his biggest challenge at heavyweight. Some people think this is a good fight. Some people think this is a complete mismatch. Um... Usyk didn't really look good in his first uh, heavyweight fight. We'll see. You know, he's had some time to adapt now, body-wise, being out with the pandemic and whatnot. I know he was uh, not the healthiest as well. So we'll see how that goes. Man, what the hell? Some people are saying the switchboard's a little... Okay. All right, now I see people coming in, so it should be okay. I just got a couple of text messages saying that. All right, that's weird. Huh. All right, sorry about that. 
I don't know what the hell happened there. Okay, I'm having a little issue. <laughs> of course, why not, huh? Right when I start the show, why not have an issue? All right, so I'm having an issue right now with some power. So this might be an issue that I have to uh, fix here in just a second. But things happen. I think I can get through it. Just don't know how much battery I have. Okay, so anyway, sorry about that. I'm having a little issues, but I think we're going to find a way through this. Okay, there, there we go. Anyway, <laughs> got it. Uh, the monster, Inoue, returns to against uh, Jason Maloney. And a couple other fights on that undercard as well that we'll get into. Um, but like I said, Usyk and Chisora, you know, it's not a, it's not like some kind of great fight by any means. But like I said, for a testing ground, I definitely think it's, it's a good fight. Um, so anyway... Uh, there is some fight news that we'll get to as well. I know Eddie Hearn and uh, Kel Brook having a little uh, issues back and forth. Kel Brook is talking about loyalty. Eddie Hearn is talking about loyalty. We'll dive into that a little bit. Um, we also have, uh, well, we had, we had some news since the last time we, we spoke. Lomachenko did have soldier, soldier, he's a soldier, uh, shoulder surgery. Um, and some of the more media fallout when it comes to that, um, of course, with the fight, we got, we got some current fight news that we'll talk about. And of course, boxing Twitter segment that kind of goes hand in hand with some of that Lopez uh, Loma um, <laughs> fallout. But Teddy Atlas, I didn't hear his scorecard until now, well, not now, but, you know, before the show last week, I hadn't heard it. I don't think I had anyway, but uh, I got some, you know, interesting things to say about his stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, just a variety of, of items. Bob Arum um, has a couple of ideas of who's next for um, Tia Fimo. One of them's not Devin Haney. <laughs> Shouldn't be that much a surprise if you do remember at that press conference um, when him and Eddie were kind of sparring and, and Eddie was saying, Hey, the franchise belt and all this, that, and the other. And, and uh, he was saying, this is probably what you're going to do. And Bob said, well, I mean, you know, he just signed with the wrong company when talking about Devin Haney. So there shouldn't be that prize. Um, so yeah, there is a variety of other stuff. Um, you know, as far as Loma and Lopez, we know that the ratings did really, really well. Some of the media have taken that like this is the return to boxing, like the back to the mainstream, and, and this fight is the could you know spur the return of boxing. Now, I do think it helped return the sport of boxing back to where it was, or, or like, hey, just so you know, we are here. I think that's obvious. I mean, it's the biggest rating in quite some time. So that makes sense. But they're talking about this one fight, especially Lance Polgemeyer. I have some, uh, I have some audio with him on the show and in, in, in what he's talking about. This one fight, like is the turning of the tide that turns boxing in the mainstream again. It's just some of the stuff 
that they're taking with this fight. It, it, it's it's just kind of funky, but a lot of back and forth. That they're really this is an easy fight to score, unless you want to give all the swing rounds away, which is what Teddy Atlas did. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit about that. But like I said, we're going to focus inside the ring because um, we had ourselves a damn good. That's a fact. We had a damn good weekend. And sometimes these, you know, the hardcore fight fans, they watch pretty much every weekend, at least some of them, right? There might be some that they DVR or put to the side or watch later or somebody from overseas in the U.K. will, you know, message me or text me and say, hey, you got to check this out, and they send me a fight. I watch it. I talk about it on the show or whatever. But weekends like this, it tells you the sport's still – in good shape on some terms. It's not this sky is falling type of thing. Is there issues? Yeah. Is belts one of them? Yeah. Is the best fight and the best one of them? Sure. As far as the cross, the cross rival thing, and just in general, um, but it's not as bad as everybody's saying. Let's talk about it. This is one of the reasons why it's not as bad. Estrada, Padros, part two, Really, really interesting fight here. Um, two out of the first three rounds I gave to Carlos. Um, he was busier. He closed out better in the first round. The third round, there was back and forth. I thought Estrada was actually landing the better shots. And then a late combination, um, along with a left hook, dropped Estrada in the third round. I did give Estrada the second. He started landing his uppercuts and his combinations. But then the next what, four, five, six. Seventh was a really close round, but, I mean, maybe one round, the seventh, out of the rest of the, well, not the rest, the ninth round, to the ninth round. So the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, maybe one of them went to Crossroads. But the fight was, was fun, don't get me wrong. It had a lot of great action. Um, and some of them were nip and tuck. The fourth round, there was a few harder shots on Estrada's side. The left hook uppercut. There was a late right hand in the fifth. Um, Estrada really started turning up the heat, pressuring, landed hard combinations um, in the sixth, only to see Quadros respond with a short rally. I mean, this guy, even when he was hurt in the last round, he kept rallying back. Like I said, the seventh could have went either way in my mind, but then the rest of the fight, oh, I'm looking at the tenth too. I forgot the tenth actually. Quadros won in my book. Um, but the body shots started to hurt uh, Quatros. Like I said, he would he would flurry late in, in rounds or flurry back for spots, but you really couldn't slow down a strata. Left hooks started landing even flusher than they were. Body attack early and often in the ninth round. You could see Quatros was hurt. He was gassed, but he kept fighting. And like I said, in the tenth round, he kind of went on his stick and move in kind of short little quick combos and get the hell out of there. He may have won that round. I gave him that round, actually, uh, some hooks and overhand rights. And when, for Estrada, when Estrada lands that left hook and the overhand right, God, that looks like Juan Manuel Marquez, doesn't it? Maybe that's why deep down I really love Estrada. I mean, I, I, love, I love Estrada regardless, but maybe because Marquez was my guy from the last generation, maybe that's it. But that left in that uppercut or left hook, to the right hand, the way that flows, that looks very similar to my guy, Marquez. But anyway, in the 11th round, um, a left hook after a combination 
um, ended up dropping them. I think it was a left hook and a right hand that dropped him early in the 11th. Um, then some really, really like some crazy body shots. Um, somehow, of course, you know, Coachos would rally back with like shoe shine stuff. Um, then there was a counter right hand that dropped him. He was hurt really, really bad. And it ended up in a TKO victory for Estrada. He was up on the scorecards. Um, but uh, actually, what was he? I can't remember. But he was up, I think, by a point on two of them and then by two or three points on the other. Um, I gave, yeah, I think anywhere from three to four rounds out of the 11. Uh, for sure, three, I'd say, the first third and the 10th. But like I said, the seventh is a little bit of a swing round. But, man, what a fun fight. One of the better fights of the year. And now we get to move, and this is why I'm trying to say, hey, there's plenty of problems. We talk about them on the show, but the sky's not falling like the media. And then, therefore, some fans will tell you. And the reason why I say that is because what's the next fight? Oh, just a rematch like that's been wanted for years now. Um, you know, Estrada and Roman Gonzalez is next chocolatito and that was a competitive fight um was it a draw no you know i was okay with gonzalez winning that fight back then but um i do wish it would have happened earlier um than this but then again both of them are kind of you know past their prime to an extent even estrada in this fight he could have moved more he could have used defense more that just wasn't there, but, you know, he didn't need it, right? And, and when you get to a, an older age, you could say the same thing about Marquez. You know, he was more defensive-minded, but then at some point he's like, you know what, I got to do me. Um, speaking of Chocolatito, though, Roman Gonzalez against Israel Gonzalez, and that was a good – that was a competitive fight. Could you give, you know um, – the other Gonzalez, Israel Gonzalez, a ton of rounds? No, I don't think you could do that. But it was a fun fight, though. He, he definitely, I mean, he came out. I gave him the first round uh, just off jab and movement. Um, but there was moments early on that it was two-way action. These guys were getting it in. Even the second round was really, really close. I just thought Chocolatito um, had the bigger shots, uppercuts and hooks, uh, more uppercuts, overhand rights in the third. And actually, now that I think about it, I did give him, let's see, the fourth round to Israel. He had a, his jab going and quick, kind of quick combos. He also landed a late right hand, um, whereas Gonzalez was kind of trying to get closer and closer to him. Landed several shots in the inside. But then, let me see if I gave him another round after that. I don't believe so. Chocolatito um, just ramped up the body attack with the left hooks and uppercuts, and right hands to the head. I mean, overhand rights, crosses on the inside. You could just see Israel wearing down slowly but surely. Um, it's kind of weird because that night, I'm trying to watch this stuff live on DAZN, and it's funny, for like the first year and a half, two years almost, DAZN didn't give me, well, not two years, about a year and a half. Because um, this started October or late September, whatever, 2018, right? So, yeah, about a year and a half. Only this, like, I didn't really have problems at all, whereas I saw a bunch of people having problems with the app. 
but I really didn't. I didn't have that much at all. I think the quality of the app is not great per se as far as the visuals, but I never had that much of a problem. This year, it's a little bit different. Um, it kept pausing. It kept uh, buffering. It, it, it would, it would like, freeze and then restart. And so it was kind of frustrating. I actually had to wait to watch Estrada Quadros. Um, and I literally tried, you know, I have, I actually literally have a uh, digital cable. Like I, I have live streaming cable. So I, I understand that you have to have at least some sort of uh, internet strength, right? To be able to help that. That was just fine that night. I went into other apps, ESPN plus uh, Netflix went into a variety of plate. Everything worked just fine. And I'm thinking, what the hell? So I, I was like, all right, I'm just going to wait till the fight's over. Watch some football and something else. Came back to it and just couldn't get through the fight. Every time they'd get about a round, round and a half, it had little problems. I'm bringing this up because I really don't know what happened too much in the eighth and ninth. Because <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm almost done with this fight. I'm going to finish it. And sure enough, you know, I, I just couldn't. It just kept restarting or freezing, and I'd have to reboot it or whatever. It was really weird. I literally took the DAZN app off, put it back on, and it still was doing the same thing. And it wasn't good until the you know until the very next day. Um, and it still gave me a little issues, but last night it was just fine. So I ended up finishing up the rest of the fights. But anyway, so I don't really know what happened. Um, it just kept skipping ahead or – freezing or whatever are you ready to give your employees and customers smooth secure digital experiences then you need ping identity as an identity security pioneer ping champions your unique identity so your employees can be productive rock stars and your customers can engage with your brand wherever and however they want with lovable digital experiences i'm the chief identity champion and i'm here to help visit pingidentity.com today You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. I did notice, though, that Israel was laying on the ropes a lot. <laughs> so that kind of tells you what happened there. Um, and Chocolatito just in general landed the better shot. So um, I think it was like 10-2, to 9-3 to for Chocolatito. The scorecards read 118-110, 116-112, and 117-111. Um, but a spirited fight. Israel actually uh, had, you know, every time he'd stepped up, he had fallen short. Um, he still fell short, but, uh, you know, I thought he gave a good account for himself, no doubt about it. I'd like to see him um, kind of rebuild a little bit and get another big fight. These weight classes are really jam-packed with a lot. These 118, 122s, there's just a lot of stuff going on there. And real quick, if this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Radio. It streams live at archives. It's basically the headquarters. However, 
You don't have to just go to Blog Talk and Rope It Over Radio and download the show right there, listen to the browse. You can find the platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, excuse me, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, really across the board almost. We're also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network, which you can find everywhere, including Spotify. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. That's thegruelingtruth.com. It's boxing, it's football, it's basketball, it's baseball. It's everything in between. And real quick, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called AT&T TV Now. It's live streaming cable. They do have the seven-day free trial. The plans start as low as $55 a month. There's no annual contract. You can stream it anywhere. They have the cloud DVR right now just for signing up. You get a 30-day free trial of HBO Max. Here's another layer to the deal, then we'll get back to the boxing. If you get the AT&T TV Now Max package, it already includes HBO Max, plus a free month of Showtime, which is normally $11, which is a pretty good deal anyway for boxing fans and fans of documentaries and some show. But anyway, AT&T TV Now, like I said, live streaming cable. Okay, um... Uh, Martinez took care of business. There wasn't really a whole lot to talk about when it comes to that fight. He he did his thing. Um, but overall, like I said, I don't I don't know the exact date just yet, but it does sound like um, that fight's happening next. Chocolatito against Estrada. I'd say Estrada is still closer to his prime. I think that's fair. But um, – I kind of think both of them are a little past their prime, which I'm not saying, oh, I don't want to see the fight. At least that kind of evens it out. I'm not saying it's uh, a Sugar Ray Leonard and Hearns, um, because by that time, part two, I should say, by that time, they had both slowed down significantly. It did kind of look like Chocolatito was slowing down after that, you know, the damage he took a couple of years back, but he has kind of reborn his career a little bit. Um, but the come forward fighter that'll just close the gap on you, keep working the body, and just bring the attack in Zalas against uh, Estrada, who will, you know, attack back. But the counter shots, if he can pivot, if he can circle, if he can just move a little bit more, I think uh, he can win the fight. But it's going to be a good fight. It is going to be a great fight. Um. <laughs> I just got a message saying that I I supposedly, once again, I ducked some sort of topic. I guess last week I didn't go in depth about the UK media thing and Hearn on basically they piled on Wilder. I'll talk a little bit about that later in the show. I thought I covered that. You know what? I did actually, now that I think about it, I did run out of time at the end of the last show, and I, I forgot that. I thought I did actually forget that that's a good call, but I did explain it at the beginning of the show. And I kind of thought, well, I pretty much got my point out, but I wasn't ducking it. I wasn't ducking it. Everyone thinks I'm ducking something. Um, no matter what side it is, you know, it's basically when you tune in, why didn't you say this? Why didn't you say that? Okay. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was a damn good fight to say the least, no doubt about it. Um, let's talk about the Showtime um, card, the triple header. This was a good triple header. We had uh, some drama in the second fight. We had an upset in the first fight. 
And then we almost had an upset, but uh, no matter what, when you look at the score or not what the scorecards and you look at the betting odds, it was close to a 50-50 fight going in, Lipinitz and Clayton. So we'll start with uh, Hawkins, who, you know, to be honest with you, uh, and Matisse, Matisse, is it Matia? No, it's Matias. <laughs> Matisse. I almost said Matisse. Uh, Matias. Uh, Matias, I thought he was going to win. I put a little money on him. Man, if you start to think about it, the only one that didn't hit, because Zapata was a, a minor underdog. Ruben Villa didn't hit, but he was an underdog. Um, Lopez hit. Um, Matias hit. Like, man, there's been some three out of four lately. I've done pretty good on these. these uh, and that just shows you where we're at in the sport, too. We do have good fights, even if they are not some super fight. It's just funny, but we've had a nice little string. Like I said, since August, the sky's not falling. We've actually done pretty damn well. Um, but Hawkins, I never really thought too much of. He was 18-0 going in. Uh, Matias, to me, just beat him pretty much every round. Um, pretty much every round. Now, obviously, the fight stopped because Hawkins' eye closed, so it was a TKO. I gave Hop, you know... Um, Hawkins the first round based off his jab and some busyness. I'm trying to think, did I give him another round after that? I'm looking at my scorecard right now. I don't believe so. Um, I mean, even in the third round, well, it started the second round, left hooks to the head. Then he started going to the body, bringing that pressure, thudding shots. I mean, combination punching. He'd go to the body with the combination, then he'd finish with, like, flush hooks to the head. Um, and Hawkins, actually, like, in the fourth round, he had a good second half on the inside as well. It's not like he didn't do anything. In the fifth round, he had a, a decent little uh, stick-and-move stretch there early in there. But his by the fifth or fourth round, his eye was starting to, to swell up pretty bad. Um, and even in that fifth round, it seemed like uh, Mat- Matias landed a combination that bothered him really bad. There was uh, uh, several different uh, warnings. There was an official holding warning um, for holding on, basically, to uh, Matias. Uh, but in the sixth round, took a knee. I think it was uh, it was a body shot. A few seconds before he took the knee, there was a body shot in there, and then a left hand behind the ear that had him down. But Hawkins did come out swinging. I'll give him credit for that. But I'd say maybe the last 30 seconds of that sixth round, somewhere in there, um, a big, hard shot landed. And then, like I said, did it, I think it did actually go into the seventh round. I think they rang the bell, and the eye was swollen. TKO victory. And uh, for Matias, this is a nice win because, you know, he, you can start to see it makes a noise. Then he took a L earlier this year. Well, yeah, it was on the undercard of Wilder Fury 2. So this is a good bounce back for him. Um, if you look at the, the copy box, it's 137 to 94. He threw 506 in just uh, in six rounds. I mean, that's a lot. Um, and landed 27%. So 94 of 353 for Hawkins isn't bad. Like I said, he, he was he was in there fighting. I'm not trying to rip him, but I just never thought too much of him, to be honest with you. And uh, Matias basically took him out. Um, then this is the one I was really looking forward to on a prospect level. Xavier 
Martinez came in, what, 15-0 or something like that against Claudia Marrero. Um, and it seemed like it was pretty much Xavier Martinez um, throwing nice little combinations, being a little busier, landing the better shots. Um, his left hook started finding a home, jabs, and followed by the right hand. He was attacking the head and the body. But by the fourth round, I think you could say it got a little closer. And then I gave uh, Marrero the sixth. I thought he landed the better shots. He was applying some really good pressure. Um, But the seventh, I thought the cleaner shots were back to Xavier Martinez. Um, But then Marrero came in the eighth round. I almost forgot. I was thinking it was the ninth round. Uh, It was a left to the body and then a right hook. I think it was a right hook that landed and dropped him. And uh, then uh, Martinez gets up, and it was two huge right hands. And for the second knockdown, and, dude, I mean, he looked he looked really hurt. And I don't think he had been – I think they said that I was he hadn't been down in a fight previously. So it was like, okay, this is the time we were wondering that this – you know, Marrero – is not like a great fighter by any stretch, but we know he, you know, carries power and he can pull some upsets. And so I, I was really interested to see after that eighth round, okay, dude, here we go. Um, and his left eye was swelling up. Um, the ninth round, the very next round was a two way round. Um, I thought maybe Xavier just landed the tad better shots, but it was very close. 10th round, another close round. Um, and Martinez eye started swelling too. That's, a sign of a good fight, right? Um, that could have went either way. I gave it um, to Marrero, but I, that could have went either way. But then I thought um, Xavier kind of straightened it out by the 11th and 12th. He was busier. Uh, he was just steadier throughout the rounds and jabbing a lot more. Um, so I had it 8-4 to four or 9-3 to three as far as the rounds, but obviously that 10-7 to seven round was a pretty big deal. Um, so 115, 111, and the two cards, 114, 112. Um, so he ended up getting the victory, but it, it didn't come easy, that's for sure. So that would have been 8-4 um, to four is what that scorecard. And the other one was 7-5 to five with the – or no, 7-5, 9-3. Um, but, yeah, if you look at it, I mean, he outlanded them 161 to 128. The body shot 38-20. to 20 didn't attack the body a whole lot, but it was a good performance by Xavier Martinez. And you want to see a guy get tested. And it didn't really seem like through the first six rounds, even though there was a couple close rounds that it was going to happen until that sixth round, I think. And that's when uh, Claudio, you know, from six to 10, he, he, he won maybe three rounds. So he definitely turned the tide, but kudos for Martinez to kind of, straighten that out so we'll see more of him now in the main event um sergey lipinets against um coop steel is that how you say um clayton and i had seen some highlights of him i had seen just a little bit um against some of the vets he went against um this was a this was a close fight dude i mean this was definitely a close fight and you know there was a lot of competitive rounds in this. Um, if you look at Clayton had his jab going, like the first round, 
I think it was Lipinitz, second round. Um, a, a tad bit better shots, you know what I mean? But not much, you know what I mean? Not much at all. Um, third round was very competitive. Um, Lipinitz was landed to the head and body. The jab and the, a couple of counter shots um, from Clayton. Um, if you look at the fourth round, I definitely gave to Clayton. I thought that was a clean round. He landed uh, several right hands uh, and, of course, more jabs and counters. Lipinitz got off to a good start, but that was pretty clean. And I, I thought he made a run, Clayton, for a little bit. I gave him the fifth and the sixth, so the fourth, fifth, and sixth were clean. Um, and I think he stole the fifth round at the end. Um, but it was a close round. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say it wasn't. Um, good action round two. This was a competitive fight, like I said, but it was a fun fight to watch too. Um, Lipinitz basically mostly bodied through a lot of this fight, including the sixth round. Um, the jab in the flush, more flush counters, um, kind of a stick and move game, was working in the six for Clayton. Um, and then I thought Lipinitz kind of turned the tide in the seventh. He started finally jabbing more effectively anyway because he was throwing them, just not necessarily effective. And then the body work. But Clayton, for me, got the eighth round. The jabs and hooks, where it was mostly jab and body work. But I, I thought he had that Lipinitz. I had, I gave him the ninth round, but honestly, I got question marks next to it. Um, I don't know. You know, it, it seemed like he picked up the pace a little bit with, with some harder shots um, and the uppercuts early. Some some pretty good lands there, but I I don't know who won that round. But by the mid-ninth round, I remember them flashing um, the stats for body shots, and it was 61 to 27 at the time. Um, and then the 10th round, another competitive one that, you know, Lipinets got off to a good start. Um, whereas Clayton though had the better second half. So I gave that to him. Very tight fight. Uh, the scorecards read 115, 113 for Clayton. And then two of them had a 114, 114 draw, which personally, you know, I was okay with, I didn't have a problem with that at all. Um, we've obviously seen all sorts of scorecards, right? And to me, if you can get it pretty damn close, I'm not going to get too mad at that. You know what I mean? And some people think, well, it's a cop-out, the wrong guy, you know, uh, well, I shouldn't say one. But um, and some people still have some difficulties I saw on Twitter saying, wait, you know, Clayton got the only winning scorecard. He won the fight. It's like, no, that's not how it works. But anyway... Um, I had it, but I could see a draw. Um, could you go 7-5 for Lipinets? Maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe. I- I'm not saying it's like a must, <laughs> but I-, I could see that a little bit because, like I said, it was back and forth. The action was, was intense. You know what I mean? It was a good fight, good competitive fight. I'm not saying it's a war. Um, you know, I don't know. Oh, yeah, someone just sent me uh, something from Twitter on this fight that I'll read during the boxing Twitter. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, anyway, that about wraps it up. Like I said, a very underrated weekend. You know, the triple header 
was damn good for Showtime. Every fight you can find something in there. Um, and, and all because he had an upset, like I said. And a minor upset on my scorecard didn't happen, but with Clayton. But still, you got to draw. And I wonder what they're going to do. Are they going to have a rematch? When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You know, I surely wouldn't mind that. And either way, though, you know, Clayton's in a good spot. I mean, Clayton may end up getting a Terrence Crawford fight before it's over. But uh, I don't know. I mean, he's got plenty of fights at 147. He's only fought one of them, of the contenders, right? So um, I definitely want to see him back. I know we'll see him back, just a matter against who. But I'd like to see the rematch. I think uh, this would make a good Showtime main event or like a bomb ass co-feature on something else. You know, I think that'd be pretty dope. So, um, but either way, no matter how you scored it, like I said, I, I shaped it to Clayton a little bit, but you know, I, I'm okay. I, you know, I'm just happy when the scorecards are close and, you know what I mean? I, I'm not going to bitch too much about that. I didn't think um, Clayton just won like eight to four or nine to three or something that and I'd obviously say it you know what I mean um we will be talking a little bit about Gervonta Davis and Leo Santa Cruz or in a little bit I should say um it's funny because right now it seems that you know the the talk is a couple different things um I don't know. It's like, God, I'm getting Sorry, I've totally forgot to check. Um, I don't know. It's like Tank was on the scale about a week ago, about a week ago, um, and maybe even a little, a little more now. And it read 135. Now I thought it was pretty funny. This is what I love about boxing. Twitter said someone, someone said, "All right, now put your other." foot put your other leg on the scale thing you know (laughs) um but it does this one does seem legit now don't get me wrong we saw the picture a handful of weeks out whatever that four weeks out three i can't remember how long that was out but of andy ruiz after sparring i think it was with hunter um and they had that picture where he looked great and i looked at that picture going oh dude he's ready the rumors are wrong. Well, not so much. <laughs> but this one, it's been fairly well documented. You can never really tell, tell, right? 
but we've seen him running with Mayweather. My guess is he's not slacking right in front of Mayweather. <laughs> and my guess is he's keeping tab. You know what I mean? Kind of like, hey, did you do your homework? Okay, let me see it. You know what I mean? Let, let me, what, what's, what's the answer to number seven? You know, like really analyzing it. And um, you could tell by his face. You could tell the dude's got abs already. Um, this was a couple weeks out that picture. So I think he's going to make the weight now. He did fight at 135 last time. So you never know if he tries to go back down, if, if, he's, if there is going to be a problem when you actually get to 130. But if you're anywhere near 135, 136, and that could have been right after a workout. But he also could have had some shit on. You know, I don't know. Did he have socks on? Did he have some shorts? I'm not sure, actually. It was like a back shot of him on the scale, and they just showed it, right? So I really don't know um, exactly how that is. Um, so we'll see. Um, but it's kind of like, to me, I don't know, man. It's It's kind of like people either – don't think he's going to make it, or now he's going to make it and destroy Leo. And at least Leo did have a fight at 30, and this was uh, last year, right, I believe. And it's not – I don't know. It's like he didn't look great in the fight. There's a lot of times people move up to a weight and don't look great at the new weight. Featherweight fit him a lot better, obviously. And it, it doesn't seem like 130 is going to be great for him. However, with the time off, you know, to settle in, to have a training camp in a fight at the weight, and then to kind of settle in on the weight, you know, sure, I'm sure he had some time off, obviously. But he's a guy that pretty much stays in shape. You don't see him, you know, with a, a pot belly or nothing like that. But, dude, like, he looks, he looks better. Like, he does look better, and sometimes, when you, like I said, you had this extra time. This fight was going to be in May or June or possibly July originally. Well, he's been working, and maybe he hasn't been in camp the whole time, right? But his body looks better than it ever has. So, I mean, like I said, at least this is in his first fight at 130. I will admit, though, he didn't look like he had much power at the weight at the time. We'll see if that, you know, we'll see if that's any different. And then Davis, you know, 130, we know, is the weight for him, if he can make it, you know. There is something to be said about overtraining as well. Um, he said he's been in there, you know, he's, he he's going to have a 12-week, uh, three-month camp. And if he only had two, um, you know, week or two weeks, <laughs> well, maybe – no, but two month camps. I did see. I've seen some talk, um, either text messages or on Twitter or something like that, saying, "Well, you know, your body's not used to going, you know, three, three and a half, four months hard. If, you know, if you've only done normally seven to eight week camps, so there is something to be said about overtraining. Wouldn't that be funny? I mean, we know overtraining happens, but wouldn't that be funny if Tank overtrained? <laughs> but I really think that first month was probably just shedding the weight. And then the last seven to eight weeks when you ramp up your camp, that's generally when people say 12, um, 
you know, weeks. That's generally what they mean. I know um, Anthony Joshua was the same. He did these long camps, but I don't think the first month is just balls to the walls. You know what I mean? So I think there's something to be said about that. Um, but we're going to get into a, a variety of news a little bit later in the show. Kel Brook, Eddie Hearn kind of beefing. We'll talk about a little bit about Loma's so, uh, shoulder. I keep wanting to say the, I, want, I guess what I'm looking at, it's kind of like the same word together, but soldier keeps coming out. <laughs> um, shoulder surgery. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about, like I said, Teddy Atlas's scorecard um, and a variety of other stuff. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and bring in, I see Carcino in the fold. I'm going to go ahead, bring him in and see how he's doing, see what he thinks about these weekend fights coming up. Carcino, what's going on, man? How the hell are you, dude? Um, just busy, but I'm here. <laughs> so, well, I appreciate yeah, you, uh, you know, finding some time. I know that you said that you had some meetings today and you're a busy guy. So let's jump right into it. Um, you know, we can either talk about the fights coming up, Gervonta against Santa Cruz, even Ustik testing out heavyweight. Uh, with Chisora, the return of the monster and all that. But we can talk really quick about that Estrada Quadros fight or, or that Lipidus Clayton competitive fight. Where do you want to start, sir? Oh, man. Um, I kind of want to go back first because a lot of people didn't hear uh, my thoughts on the fight. Uh, me and Paul Malinazzi, and he actually got in my prediction video um, that I did for the fight. Me and him were going back and forth, like, uh, discussing the fight. And he had, he thought Lomacheco was going to win, but he thought Teofimo definitely had the opportunity. He thought the fight was going to be a lot closer than what people had it. Uh, and he was basing it on a lot of different factors. And then one of the factors was, you know, he feels that the size of, you know, uh, Teofimo was, was too much. It might be too much for, you know, Lomacheco. He's like, he's never fought a guy this big. And he's like, he's a big guy to be at that weight class. And he's like, when you get punched by one of a bigger guy, it could change the fight. You know, it could change the whole outlook of the fight. So I was like, okay, uh, you know, let's go off that. And watching the fight and how it was playing out, I said, well, looking at this situation and looking at how the the fight went and, you know, and all the other things, I'm saying to myself, I said, man, not what I expected. It surprised me early on how he wasn't going to the box. And I said, this is very weird. Um. Sorry, this is Loma? Just not, yeah, Lomo was not going to the body. And I was in the first couple of rounds, I was like, I thought like after round two, I said, okay, he saw what he was seeing. Now he's going to take it. And there was a lot of opportunities that he didn't take. He kind of just stayed there. And it, it surprised me at one point. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Because I would have thought this would be the greatest opportunity for him to make that push, you know, for him to make that forward to say, 
this is where I can start turning it up and hitting these angles and coming in. But early on, he really did, and I think Lopez kind of got his respect, or he felt Lopez's power a little bit, and and he was a little reluctant to come in. I think he was trying to wait him out and make sure he got tired and got a little thing off of those punches. And they weren't really big punches that he was hit with. I just think it was the size. You know, he felt it, like felt the stress. And I was just like, like, hmm, this is very weird. Like, and I'm thinking it's inactivity. You know, I'm thinking, you know, 14 months off, you know, the COVID situation being off, this is, yeah, this has got to be the reason. You know, so I'll do the fight. It's not like really Lopez doing something that was outstanding in the fight. It really was the lack of what what Lomo was not doing. You know, it was more him not doing than Lopez doing. Because I'm like, the opportunities are there. He just didn't take them. And I'm like, if you're going to just stand out there, that hurts. that helps Lopez out tremendously. He could just use his athleticism and just keep you at bay. I mean, his footwork was where it needed to be. But I saw, like, round six or seven, Lopez, really, he did get hurt a little bit with a shot or a bother. And the activity, he wanted to pay him back. So he just started to trade with Lomo. And it was such a bad idea. And I could basically hear his father probably losing his mind, like, go back to boxing. Because when he used the jab, it was more efficient for him. You know, he was able to keep him on the jab, and then when Lomo tried to make a move, he would just move with his athleticism because he wasn't moving to come in. He was still throwing feints, but staying on the outside. Like he like he had like a Thomas Hurdy jab or something. He's just standing out there like, what is he doing? He's going to get picked apart. And those later rounds, I mean – I scored the fight a draw initially. I watched it if I was at a draw. And the second time I watched it, I basically had it a draw. But I could see how somebody could give those two rounds that I gave to Lomo to Tia. So I'm like. Yeah, like the second and seventh round. It was the second and seventh round that mostly people talked about. And I thought they were swing rounds. So when it comes to swing rounds, I kind of split them up. I'll give one to one guy, one to the other, you know. Yeah, I mean, the second round was a bunch of really nothing happening, but I'll say the, the clean punch was landed by Lomo, so I gave him the second. And then I didn't give him another round until, like, I believe round six or seven, around there. And, and that's when I, I saw him, like, kind of take over in the fight and get and more active. And after a very active round 11, I think, uh, round 12, was one half dominated by Lomacheco, and the last part, like the last 30, 40 seconds, was dominated by um, Theo. And that, you know, that round reminds me a lot of Turns, uh, Leonard 2, the 12th round, where Thomas Hearns dominated the first 30, 40 seconds, and it looked like he was going to go for the knockout to finish Ray in the 12th. And then Ray ends up hitting him with a shot, and he almost dropped and stopped turns in the 12th. And then it goes to the cards, and that round ended up being scored incorrectly. 
And because of it, it caused Thomas Hearns a victory, and it came out to be a draw. Somebody gave a 10-8 round to Sugar Ray Leonard in the 12th. And that's what did it and caused it to be a draw. And in this 12th round, it's divided, and I was like, I gave the 12th on my card to Lomo because he was doing, he dominated for longer parts of the round, even though at the end, Tio Fimo was coming on. And people were and he hurt him, he too. Like, Tio Fimo hurt yeah. Loma in that last part, too. So that's why yeah, I had to like give it back. You're right. It looks like he did. So that's why I made sure I swing round. The 12th was a swing round. But a lot of people went right. with T.O. And they said, that's what wanted to fight for him, that round. And I was like, well, either which way, like, they got it right. You know, they got it right. So when they... So do you want to see a rematch they, then? Are you... you I would love to see a rematch, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. Because I think from T.O., he should not take it. He's not going to win a rematch against Lomacheco. Uh, Lomacheco would be him. And I think that Lomo could be him early. He knows what he needs to do. I, just, I think the inactivity, I think him fighting him now, he knows what he needs to do. He know he needs to get to the body. He hurt. He hurt Tio to the body. Um, and like round, I think it was like round ten. Hurt him with the. I was like, why haven't you been doing this earlier? But he hurt him in the, with a body shot. It was a surprise uh, left to the body. And my goodness, it was nothing. That's when he went on that barrage because Tio was hurt to the body. It was, it, it, started, it shocked me because I didn't even think he was throwing there either. And it went right to the body. Hurt. Theo uh, Fimo with a dead left to the body and it kind of froze and he couldn't really get off for a while. And that's when he got on a really a good run in that round. I don't think that was like probably 10 or around 11. But yeah, off. So why do you think like, he, was, why do you think he was so inactive for the first six rounds? Um, Cause there's no uh, way you're was, downloading for six rounds. People are like, Oh, he's just downloading. No, no. You don't download for six rounds. This isn't like our 10-minute uh, YouTube videos back in the day that take 45 minutes for 10 minutes to upload. Remember back in the day? When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You know what this is? A commercial? Right, and you know what that means. (gasps) Time for a snack? Wrong. I want you to do some heart-healthy exercise. Yes, you! Try some seated leg extensions right now. Just lift each leg up and extend it straight, one at a time, six to eight times. I can do that. Yes, you can. Remember, every commercial is a chance to sneak in heart-healthy activity. Visit findexerciseanywhere.com and speak with your doctor to learn more about the risks of heart failure. You're like, shit, this thing thing isn't done yet? But you don't download for, for six rounds, am I right? What, what, why could yeah. he get off? 
I felt like it was because of those body shots and the power shots that was keeping yeah. Loma at bay and tentative. Yeah, I thought so, too. I thought that he felt the power of uh, Theo because he was landing great body shots early. And I thought it was some of that and a lot of it with the 14-month layoff. Being inactive for 14 months and not really being in the gym as much due to COVID and try to pick it up and go up against a big guy like this, I think it had an effect. But early on, I do think it was the power shot. He felt those power shots. And and Paulie Malignaggi was saying it too. Like, you know, he felt them. You know, and that, that was one of the main reasons, you know, the – those four cards were the way it was and how things were playing out. It was because he felt them. Like, no, that guy felt those punches. <laughs> he felt those shots. He's like, trust me, I've been in there with a with a bigger lightweight before. And you start to, you feel the difference when someone's not, they bigger than the size they should be. <laughs> and you're out of your right, weight right. class. You know, like, and it's, you might be a better boxer and everything else, but you can't get over the size. And he's like, he's got size and a letterman. But, you know, Julie Letterman, you know, she just missed a great fight. But she was there to do what she knew. Well, it was a come-forward fighter, just like her dad. A come-forward fighter, that's all, all you got to do is come forward, you'll win the round with the letterman. You know, the letterman yeah. family loves the effective aggressiveness. As long as you do the effective yeah. aggressiveness, you're going to win the round. <laughs> exactly. So, a rematch, so you don't think the rematch will happen? You think, what, Tiafimo's going to go to 140 or something? Or you just don't think it'll happen in general? Uh, I really don't think it's going to happen in general. Because Tiafimo, I mean, it would have to be at 140. I don't think he's going to make 35 again. Um there's no fight, even at that weight class, to even intrigue him. No one's big enough to fight him yet, you know, to make an interesting fight that they could generate a lot of money. So, so I really just think that they have a disconnect there, and they should just probably – I don't just I – I would love to see it as a fan, but I just don't think we're going to see it at this weight class. I mean, they could offer all the money in the world. Teofimo is not going to fight him. I don't think he really wants to fight him again. To be honest, I think he wants to move on from that fight and go to another fight somewhere at 140 and get a big money fight. Well, he did He did enough to win, but to me it was more what Lomo didn't do, more than what Teo did. I mean, they had a great strategy. You know, they, they boxed with the guy and they went to the body when he tried to come in, go to his body or be first. And he kind of stayed on the outside a bit too long, waiting for T.O. to gas. They know the guy has, you know, he struggles to become more basic. And he's more open and susceptible to shots. And and it was happening in the second half of the fight. He just you know, just sitting there and getting hit with shots he should um He's going to have to clean that up, and you know, when he fights bigger guys, because these bigger guys can withstand all the punches that you're throwing and your athleticism, sure. and they can, they've been at this weight class. You're just getting it. And you gas it out six, seven rounds, it's not a good thing. You know, so you're going to have to figure that out down the road. 
bigger guys or guys to size, like Sean Porter, you know, when he can't bull rush you over, you know, and just bully you out the fight, he's got to actually fight you now. You know, it's a problem for him. You know, you saw him every time Keith Thurman's his size. He couldn't, he didn't beat Keith. It'd be close fight, Kell Brooks. Um, you know, he really didn't beat the fight. The guy who dropped him in the last round, um, the Cuban guy, he's thinking his name right now, but yeah, he dropped him. And it's just like when you're fighting people your size, the fight level is entirely different. And from that point on, I, I mean, love to see it, but I just don't think we're going to see it. It'll be interesting to see where they go. I mean, Loma's even talking about maybe going to 130. We said, you know, 140 uh, possibly as well. I mean, obviously, I think they if they gave him a lot more money than he made on this one, I think he'd take the rematch. But we'll see. Speaking of size, this is a good transition here. Um, mm-hmm. The size at 130 for Leo Santa Cruz, who had a fight and didn't look like he really carried the weight that well. Now he's had some time to adjust. And when you look him in a, you know, look at him in camp, he actually is pretty, he looks pretty good. He's at least added a little bit more time to adapt to the weight with this pandemic. Gervonta on the other side is trying to get to 130. All signs lead to he's having a good camp but we don't know until he actually stepped on the, the, the scale. Obviously, two weeks out of camp, they had that, you know, picture of him on the scale. It said 135-something. It was kind of funny because I saw on Twitter, Carcino, someone said, all right, Tank, now put your other leg on the scale. You know, just messing with him. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> that is all right, cool. That, that looks good. But you got to put your whole body on there, dude. Um, but uh, – but he does look, I'll tell you what, he's got a six-pack already. He does look like he's basically what I said earlier in the show, that Mayweather is checking his homework. You know what I mean? You know how, like, your parents check your homework and then really look at it? You can't just, you know, here, here's the assignment. They actually ask you questions about it and shit, and he's running with them and whatnot. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this fight, man? Because a lot of people – think that Santa Cruz is going to just get diced and sliced for like six to nine rounds and then just get highlight real knocked out. I mean, Chris Mannix literally said that a one-sided fight with a highlight real knockout as if Leo Santa Cruz is just a bum. I mean, Pedraza is his best win, Gervonta, but as far as uh, quality of fighter, as far as wins, clearly just a weight class below. Leo's uh, the best fighter he's faced off of, you know, resume. We don't know if 130 is great, but then again, they said Pedraza 130 wasn't great, and he's better at 135, whatever the case may be. What do you think about the weight? What do you think about this fight? Are we underestimating uh, jab and reach and just a veteran in Leo Santa Cruz? Or is Javante, we know 130 is his best weight if he can actually get down there healthy. I, I'm thinking the way I'm looking at it is the tales of two fights because I don't think Tank Davis is fighting Leo Santa Cruz. I think he's fighting the scale. And that, that is where Tank Davis always fights. 
he's fighting against the scale. And every fight is going to be this way for him because he doesn't live the life of a disciplined fighter. One fight, he's amazing. And you're like, man, you know, Tank is just a freak of nature. Nothing can beat Tank. He can't be stopped. This guy's looking amazing. Then right after that, I mean, you don't even get a chance to finish that sentence. And next, next thing you know, you're like, oh, my God, that's Tank? He looks like crap. What happened? Now, Tank right now, if he doesn't get you out in the first couple of rounds, it's going to be trouble. And Leo Santa Cruz got a beard. And, I mean, Frampton doesn't hit softly. He hits hard. And that was probably the only time he's been dropped. It was with the Frampton fight. So, when he got put back on the rope, he actually didn't get knocked down either. Right. You know, and he's got a beard, you know, and he's a come-forward fighter. He's not somebody that dances on the outside. He comes forward. So, he's going to make Tank Davis box every minute of the round. So when you got to go ahead and box every minute of the round, somebody's going to be in your face and making you fight. You don't have time to rest. So Tank's going to have to bully ball him. You know, and sure enough, Leo's going to get hit. But if he's able to take Tank's punches and stay in the fight and still box, I think Tank Davis is in trouble. I don't think he's going to knock out Leo Santa Cruz. They set this up to make Tank look like Tank. Like he's going to beat Leo Santa Cruz in a big epic showdown. I'm like, I don't really see it that way. I've taken Leo Santa Cruz to win by a split decision. But I think it'll be an obvious decision. Because I don't think he's going to – I think he's just going to win the majority of the round. Tank is not going to do enough, no. especially if they get past – once it gets past five, six rounds, people are going to know where this fight is. If either Leo has just been overwhelmed by Tank's power. Now, Tank got boxing ability and speed and power when he's Tank. But right. I haven't seen that guy in a while. Like, I haven't seen the guy that fought Pedraza. I haven't seen him in a while. You know, like, since he's won that fight, he's gotten all these distractions, more money, cars. A lot of people can't balance that lifestyle. And I I just don't see any type of continuity in his camp. And I'm like, you can knock out a guy who's been knocked down 37,000 times they set it up for you to highlight <laughs> real, stop him. <laughs> and he had a torn ACL, and he fought 12 rounds. I'm like, what? what is this? So, definitely. And he didn't have headgear on or nothing like that. He made it all 12 rounds. Didn't have headgear. It wasn't bigger gloves or anything like that. It was a straight-up right. fight. <laughs> he has been jumping on the mat a lot. All right, so we're picking a – uh, are you going to put a little dolo on this? Because, hey, 
if you look at it, I mean, yeah, Leo yeah, definitely. I might, out, I, mean, I might come out very victorious because I'm definitely thinking people are in for a shot. They're on. They're in for a huge shot, and you know, like, oh, a great fight though with the Estrada one. But yeah, I would, I would definitely tell people to put some money. That, you know, that's true. Right now, he's a plus anywhere from plus 400. I see him one site, uh, Five Dimes has him a plus 550. Yeah, plus 550. Wow. And that's where I'll be going. Five Dimes. (laughs) You already know that's where I go. So, (laughs) Five Dimes is where I will be in my money. My five dimes will be going right there. Now, and I know that you, I know that you're busy, but did you want to talk about that Estrada Quadros and maybe the rematch between Estrada Chocolatito or anything? That was great. I like that fight, man. That man, yeah. that was a great fight. Codgers came through, and it was man, it was a and man. This fight is epic. This is a war. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I thought it was going to the card. I I never so thought this fight being stopped. I said, this is going to the card. Then out of nowhere, here comes a left hook. Ooh. I mean, no, it was, yeah, it was a left hook that set it up. And it was just like the, probably the best fight of 2020, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, it's so right far, there. Got to be yeah. right there. And I loved how Quadros, even man, when he, he looked, even when he looked done, yeah. Quadros kept coming back, you know. Oh yeah, because Estrada, I think he was hurt. Um, I was thinking what round, probably like round ten or something, or the round before that, before the knockdown. So I think it was ten. He looked like tired, you know. So I was like, man. Because I remember Quadros dropped him early in the fight, you know. Got and that's what got my attention. I was like, whoa. Wow. This is crazy. Do you remember that when he dropped uh he yeah, dropped the strata? Right, it was one of those rounds. It was early. He got dropped and I was like, Oh man <laughs> He took a shot. And then he got up and then he started recovering, I think it was like round five or six, they, you know, he was really pushing it. Then after that, it started turning into a slugfest where, I mean, Quadras is like dipping his head and swinging punches. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. Then they headbutting each other. I'm like, man, dude, they're headbutting each other heavy. And the ref was just letting them fight their way out of it. And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> this ref. I was like, this ref is going to let I was like, they're going to have about 50 cuts on each other's heads from here, but but I'm like, these guys are not moving. Like, nobody's budging. This this fight's going to go to the card. They're going to probably do a, a rematch of this. And I was saying that in round seven. I'm like, this is going to be a rematch. Right. But, yep, and in the 11th round, man, he, he, got, he caught him, that left hook. And I was like, ooh, there it was. And he came with them flurries, man, and he went down and after that, he was done. You know, he got to. And he now got it's Estrada and Chocolatito. 
the the rematch yeah. from a, a chunk of years ago. It kind of reminds me of that. Speaking of, I mentioned this earlier, too, Garcino. Funny that we both mentioned it in these fights, but it kind of reminds me of that rematch uh, with Leonard and Hearns, how they both had slowed down a little bit. So it was still a good fight. It was like, well, Sugar Ray Leonard doesn't have the speed anymore on him. So this probably can be a good fight. Chocolatito won a tight fight, competitive fight, a chunk of years back. Now it's the rematch. How do you see this one going down? Because not long ago, Gonzalez looked like he was faded. He since now, you know, got back on the horse and looked pretty good. That's going to be a great fight. That's going to be some, I'm not going to say early next year, but I do think it's first quarter next year. They almost should wait six months just to let Estrada heal up a little bit. But Estrada, Chocolatito, the rematch, that's going to be a hell of a fight. Oh, yeah, I got Estrada beating him. I think the the size and physicality of Estrada, I mean, Estrada's been more wars, but I think the physicality of Estrada on Chocolatito. I mean, Chocolatito is the better, like, fighter, but when somebody – He's had the easier road to get here. I mean, Israel Gonzalez, you were going to beat him. You know, I, I knew he would have an easier time. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Haverty's Furniture is here to help you get your home all set for the new year so you can set the stage with more style, set the bar more beautifully, and set a more show-stopping table. Let's set some time aside to settle in on a new sofa together because being at home shouldn't mean having to settle for less. And Haverty's Furniture can help you start the new year off right at their holiday savings event so you can create the perfect setting. And right now, everything's on sale store-wide. Padres is a little bit more harder for Estrada, the rematch. And, you know, after being a little world, you know, rough around the edges, I just don't think Chocolatito could handle a firefight like that again. You know, like going up against that, that a guy like that, I think that Estrada fight is what took everything out of him. You know, when he went up and fought the, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Storm. Story fellow that Yeah. So running yeah. side. Yeah, so running side was running the whole side. Everybody who was coming up, he was beating everybody. <laughs> I was like, man, that dude is—he is betting on him. Is like betting on magic. He is gonna show up because his size is too much for them, and they couldn't do it. And I was saying that that guy, by against them, and they, these guys having rematches, this division is hot. I mean, this division is hot right now. They make really great fights, entertaining fights, and this would probably be fight of the year, but Chocolatito can't handle the fire. I just don't. He's too slick for it, and that's his weight class. He would get hurt. So I think it's, you know, it's better for him. Even though he's more adjusted to it now, I still don't think He's ready for Estrada. Estrada will go to another level that Chocolatito, he can't happen to him. His corner was put on him. 
before they let him, you know, go through that part or firefight. Sure. So, right. I think at this point, that's where, where they are each. So, I'm okay, excited. Man, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, damn. It's going to be a good fight. Kel like Brook I said. Is, Kel Brook is returned. And Kel Brook is fighting Terrence Crawford after three years of setting it up. We're finally getting the fight. <laughs> so Speaking of weight class, we were just it. talking about Javante. How do you think of, I mean, what do you think about Kel Brook and making this weight class for, he hasn't made it in three and a half years. He's not even with his normal trainer right now. That's the only thing that's got me. That's the only thing that's keeping me from calling it a great car, uh, fight, Garcino. I think it's a very good fight, and I'm looking forward to it. Don't know until we see on the scale and fight night exactly what Kell Brooks going to be. You know, in the ring, he hasn't had a big fight in three and a half years. That's my only worry. You know. Well, my thing is this. He hasn't had a fight in a long time, but he's Kell Brook. My concern would be the weight. You know, could he make that weight and fight at one forty seven? Yeah. You know, this is the guy when he the last time he fought at one forty seven, he was weight drained for that fight against Errol Spence. And he was still great enough to give Spence, you know, some problems even in that fight. Now, mm-hmm. Kell Brook, by him being a guy who's kind of split He's fighting a guy that can make adjustments at 147, switch it up, and not afraid to trade with him. But this is probably the most skilled guy Terrence Crawford has ever fought, period. Like, Kel has power. Kel has power, and he doesn't fight like a normal European fighter. He fights using his uh, upper body movement to slip punches. He's a guy that actually was shows the blueprint on how to beat Triple G. Uh, he actually showed people just like, no, you can actually use pull counters on Triple G and it'll work and attack from certain angles and you can hit him. So, so they same with know. Porter on that clinch, the jab, right hand jab clinch that he did with oh, Porter yeah. all night too. Yeah, he and, looked and good he, in that fight. Strong. And that's one Very thing strong. that people are like, yeah, he's really strong. And Errol, you know, Errol admitted, he's like, he's just been in the ring. He's like, Kell Brook. He's like, I've been in the ring with Sean. Sean's not as strong as Kell Brook. So he was letting everybody know that Kell's really strong. So he was telling that to Terrence Crawford. He's like, man, look, hey, Kell ain't no pushover. He's like, he's strong. <laughs> so you're going to have to deal, you know, with him. And that, that was a weight strength. Kelbrook. That's why they went right for the body. That was the strategy because they knew he had to cut weight and Eddie Hearns didn't even want him to fight that fight. He wanted him to just vacate the title but Al Heyman gave him a mountain load of money plus he got to defend the title at home and they made Arrow come to his hometown to fight him. That's the only way to fight this place. He was just going to go to 154 but they wanted him to have they wanted Arrow to win the belt Against Kale. They wonder for Errol's career. Because what, what would Errol Spence's career be if he didn't fight that Kale Brook fight? Let's say he beat some other guy for it who wasn't the champion. Kale Brook vacated. Well, 
Well, especially if Thurman was hurt at that time, too. You know, after 2017 March, that's when Thurman went, you know, was out. So he wouldn't have been able to fight him. He would have had to fight Porter or Danny Garcia or whatever. So, yeah, definitely. It's a, I mean, it's a right. great fight. It's just the weight. I mean, when you – and it wasn't just the Spence fight. He was having problems with welterweight before the Spence fight, you know. So yeah. – and now three and a half laters, I just don't know three and a half years later if you're going to be able to make that weight when you haven't made it. Like, he's been fighting at 54. You know, that's the only thing I'm afraid of. But it does look like he did take advantage of the pandemic, and he looks like he's in good shape. But we haven't really seen a whole lot of photos. Sometimes you can tell by people's face, like, okay, he has been staying fit or whatever. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to that fight, no doubt about it. Anything else uh, that you want to speak of, sir? Any any other news or anything uh, you want yeah, to talk no. about? Now, it was something you brought up that I hadn't really heard yet about the beef with Eddie Hearns and and Kel Brook. Oh, yeah, Kel Brook, Eddie Hearns, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, and yeah, I'm, to, I'm like, I'm, I'm waiting to hear from you to give me the information on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what's going on there? I'm like, I heard, like, something small about it, you know, but I'm like, I don't really know the details of it. Oh my God! Yeah, Kel Brook. <laughs> Kel Brook had an interview a handful of days ago, and he said, you know, from the beginning of this fight being made lately, anyway, because like you said, it's been a fight they've been talking about for a while, but recently, anyway, he said, you know, Eddie Hearn had no interest; he wasn't involved, and Kel Brook kind of just went at it on his own, and, and so he was doing some negotiations, and he. You know, they, they were going back and forth, back and forth. But then when the fight was close to being made, or it got made, he basically went back to Eddie and was like, hey, Eddie, can we get this on Sky Sports? You know, Sky Sports straight up or on pay-per-view or whatever. Can, can we do it? Because Bob Arum tried to get it too. Well, as we know, Eddie has the Sky Sports budget. It's actually it's not Sky Sports that does, that divvies it out for each fight or whatever. They just give the budget, and it's up to Eddie. So he has the budget, so it's up to him to want to do that. Now, as we know, I'm not saying the Sky Sports budget is cut back, but they got several pay-per-views to close the year. And BT or Sky Sports, both of them passed on the Charlos and the Lopez uh, Lomachenko. So it's not like the first fight that they've said no to to buy the rights, but it's ended up like on fight TV and other uh, places, the last couple of big fights in the States anyway. So he was like, well, dude, I've been so loyal to you. He talked about how, you know, he had said that Golovkin and Eubank Jr. were basically signed the fight and then Eubank pulled out. So he saved, you know, Eddie on that fight. And, and, and of course he made a nice you know, chunk of change, but he, he basically was like, I was loyal to you for all this time, and I saved your ass on that Golovkin, and this is how you repay me, you know? But Eddie's was, Eddie was like, well, hold on. First of all, it's a loyalty thing, but, you know, he could talk about loyalty, but, you know, when, when Khan wasn't with him, Eddie Hearn, he would destroy Khan. Once he got with him, he's the best fighter, he's the star, all this stuff, but that's normal, that's normal promoter stuff, but he was basically like, hey, you guys worked this whole deal without me and didn't include me, and then all of a sudden now you need me, 
And it was kind of like, well, once you, Eddie kind of had some strong words for him. Because he's like, well, I gave him all these Bizier and, and random fights, which is true. He did have a bad run. Once he got the belt, he actually had a really mediocre to poor run. But he also stepped up and fight Golovkin, which derailed his career somewhat. Because then he went against Spence the very next fight, which wasn't good management either. You know, so I could see both sides. But Eddie's basically like, like once you turn your back on me, don't turn around and walk back to me. He was real cold, like it's loyalty and go F yourself. But, you know, like I said, you can see clips of what Eddie said about Khan when he didn't have him. And then what he was saying about him when he had him under that, that's a normal thing, but there is some beef there. I kind of side with Eddie on this one, because if you didn't include him until the very end, when you're trying to sell the fight, it's kind of like, that is kind of shaky, but yeah, there is back and forth and Eddie had some strong words, but that was in response to what Kel Brook was kind of throwing him under the bus saying, there's no loyalty in this game and Eddie screwed Oh wow! Well, see, fighters fighters are some of the most unloyal people in the world. That's the thing. We think there's loyalty in them, but a lot of them show you. They just want to see what they can get out of you, and then they turn around and do something entirely different when someone waves some money in their face. You go, hey, wait a minute, where? Won't pay yeah, your we trainer 10%. Right. You won't even, they won't even take care of their own trainer. I'm like, your own training crew. You're supposed to pay them 10%. You don't. You pay them what you feel like it and move on. So it did seem like, like Kel Brook wanted more money out of this whole thing, and that's why he didn't include Eddie or include his trainer. It did seem like he was like, this might be my last big payday. I'm going to take the payday and do it myself. But it was more of a desperation coming back later um, to Eddie. So I, I kind of do side with Eddie on this one. Um, but I can see Kel Brook's angle for a second, but I don't know. I, Eddie was just mad because, you know, Kel had kind of slandered him. So he, he really let him have it yesterday or the day before in the IFL uh, uh, video. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. They both did did things for each other. And I'm like, you did something for Eddie. Eddie did a lot for you. Eddie was trying to build you up to be his big You were the best. You're you up. definitely had that fight happen with Amir Khan. He would have cleaned Amir Khan's clock. Like, it would have been over. No doubt. Like, that, and that's what they were working towards. But they could never get Amir Khan to get over his fear of fighting Kell Brook. That was the only problem. I'm like, if anybody can, if there's a potion that can make someone unafraid, I'm like, he needs that ASAP because this guy is his fear for Kell Brook. I mean, Amir Khan for fighting Kell Brook. He just could not lose to Kell Brook. And he, yeah, how did he have that fear that he might lose to Kell Brook? And Kel knows he can beat him. That that would be it for him in England. You know, like he knows I can't. I can lose to a million American fighters. I cannot right. lose to Kel Brook. 
and I that's, get that's by uh, Canelo. The, yeah, that's the only detraction though is that man, you know, you lose to Kell Brook and it's all over. Everything you work for at this point is now because you can't, you live here, and you got to walk around Bolton and everywhere else, and they're going to be talking about how you lost to Gail Brook, and they just can't have it. Now, since they have never fought, that, you know, they could still have their bragging rights on what happened in Spar, where Kale got the best of them and just do- totally dominated him. But Amir Khan has the doubt in his in his own head. And once you got the doubt in your own head, then it's already there. Kale already has supreme confidence in fighting him. He agreed to the terms that Amir Khan had originally set, and he changes it again. Changes and like he doesn't want the fight. <laughs> he's ne- I-, I said it years ago. He's never gonna fight Kale Brook. Even when he came to over there with Eddie, he got in the ring talking about we're gonna do the fight. He- it's not gonna happen. He's, got, he's been doing this his entire career. He's been avoiding Kell Brook. He does not want that fight. Kell Brook will beat him. And, I mean, now the world, no no one would ever bet on him. Kell Brook would, would, I'm like, Kell would win by a knockout. He would knock out Amir Khan. I'm like, it wouldn't be a shock if seeing Amir Khan knocked out, but Amir Khan has a built-in interfere when it comes to fighting Kell Brook. He knows he cannot walk around England with that knockout on his resume. Now, on December 4th on Showtime, they got the Hector Camacho story that's going to come out. And I hear this is supposed to be epic. The Hector Camacho, Macho Camacho story, man. I I can't wait for that. I'm waiting on that like a fight. His life is a roller coaster. Yeah, it really is. I saw that, too. I, I I think that's going to be really really cool. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Showtime is good on documentaries of all sorts, not just sports, but they've been doing a lot of good ass documentaries. All right, man. Well, oh, yeah. I appreciate you. I appreciate you calling in as always. Um, you enjoy the fight. You got the upset with Leo Santa Cruz. Um, that's right. Enjoy the weekend. Split man. decision, baby. Split decision. Five dimes. This will be Five a dimes. split decision. Five dimes, baby. Five fifty. <laughs> All right, man. You take it easy, buddy. All right. Thank you. All right. That's I'm out. Time. Yes, sir. Peace. All right, Carcino for life. You know the drill. Um, if you don't, well, you do. I, I know. Um, real quick, we're gonna go up to Portland in just a second here. Just to clean, I mean, I, I basically just covered that, it, you know. I do actually side with Eddie Hearn on this one because it's like, well, you can't go through the whole process and then at the end be like, hey, Eddie, what's up, man? Where you at? Knowing that they didn't pick up the Charlos, knowing that even Loma and Lopez wasn't going to get picked up, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's different if the fights are over there, right? But if the fights are late night, it's a lot of money um, to be – spending in that, especially if they want to put it on pay-per-view, but even just straight up. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Real quick, Lomachenko did have uh, shoulder surgery. Hey, look, I said it right. It sounds like, um, you know, we've heard a variety of things of when he heard it. Did he hurt it then? Did he hurt it now? Did he, you know, 
it's I don't know. You see some footage from the camp, um, and he, he looks okay. You know what I mean? He looks okay in the camp. Um, but I guess he had that surgery originally after the what was it, the Lenares fight, I believe. And this surgery was more of a cleanup minor thing too. I shouldn't say it's just a cleanup, but it wasn't as major of a surgery as last time. I don't know what round, you know, it, it, it got hurt in or whatever. Um, but this is what his manager said. Uh, this is from boxing scene. If Lopez and his teams are so tough, we'll do the rematch. Uh, Lomachenko will not be able to train until early part of uh, 2021 after having that right soldier soldier. There it is. Shoulder surgery. Um, so, you know, um, this is what he said here. Egas Clemus is, is he said he the, had pain in the right shoulder area as soon as he arrived from the Ukraine. So it was like about six weeks out, Lomachenko was given an injection to eliminate the pain. We lost one week of training. We lost one week of sparring because the doctor forbid him to do much for a week after the injection. Uh, weeks later, the pain returned and Lomachenko was given another injection. Um, you know, so he explains the injury was more or less kept quiet to avoid perception that his fighter was, you know, looking for excuses. If it's possible, we'd like to do the rematch now. Um, you know, he's also said, Tiafimo, that I was banged up too. I had a little, I had a couple minor injuries as well. So, you know, it is what it is. Is it an excuse? Is it a reason? Clearly he had something up, but how bad was it? When did he hurt it? enough in the fight and a lot of people were like well that's why he wasn't punching first it was downloading the first six rounds then it was punching you know he wasn't punching punching and he was only downloading but then he's like well that's you know and then they say well he wasn't punching because his right shoulder well how was he able to you know from the seventh to twelfth punch then and have his best rounds it just kind of like I don't know how serious it was, but I do know the surgery was less. And I didn't agree with Carcino six to six. I tried to ask him or talk to him about, you know, if if there's two swing rounds, you know, I I don't know why you're giving a swing round to both because Teddy Atlas and some other people in the media added a, a draw. And I just, I think it's a seven to five fight minimum. I think eight to four, seven to five is just fine. Could you say nine to three is a stretch? Okay, but I think if you're going to say that, then you got to say six to six is a stretch. Teddy Atlas, you know, when he did his show, Teddy really didn't talk about the actual fight. He focused on the the scorecards. But the funny thing is, once again, his scorecard was a draw. Now he said, "I'm okay with Teofimo winning," but why did you give both swing rounds to one guy? It makes no sense. And that that's where I'm kind of lost on that. And like I said last week, I believe they were big fans of it. They admit it uh, of Loma, but still, it's like that's what I. Th- th- there's things that I'm really that Teddy Atlas is bothered, you know, kind of bothersome now about stuff because it's like, well, hold on, you said the media is not supposed to be fans, but you're a fan. Like I, I don't know. The thing is, they focused on that 119, and even the nine to three card. I don't think the eight to four card is a bad card at all, but. To me, it's a little funky because it's like, well, it's kind of like him focusing on 
you know, Canelo Golovkin won. He he focused on the ten to two card, which was a horrible card, but he had the thing ten to two. So it's like I can't tell if he's in love with Golovkin and Loma or if he's just trolling or whatever. I know some of these media members are in love with them and they keep retweeting defense, you know, mechanisms for him and all that. Um, I don't know. I just think that it's kind of like, dude, I understand. We, we have, and even that weekend, Vasquez got screwed on the one scorecard thing. So it's like, well, actually multiple scorecards, but especially that one, I think it was like nine to three <coughs> or something like that. And so, so it's only a big deal in a big fight. It, screw the other fights. Like, I don't know. We deal with this one bad scorecard a lot, week in and week out almost. And so to me, I just think if Loma would have won the fight, they really love to break down Teddy and company, love to break down the last part of the fight. But they really didn't do his due justice, you know, his, give his uh, due justice, in my opinion. Didn't give him credit. Um, enough. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and get to Portland. I will give my take on this weekend's fights. Um, and we'll get to some other news as well out there. Of course, boxing, Twitter, and whatnot. Let's get to Portland 503. What's going on, man? How the hell are you, buddy? Portland, you there? Are you on mute? Oh, there we go. Hey, yo, what up, what up, what up, Chris? Yo, yo, doing good, bro, here in uh, beautiful Oregon. Uh, but how you doing, Chris? How's everything going, bro? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing really good. I'm excited uh, coming off a great fight weekend with Estrada and Quadros and some other fights. <laughs> And then heading into this weekend, that's just jam-packed. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Yeah, hell yeah, bro. I mean, so much – dude, there's so many fights going on, man. It's just so hard uh, to, like, you know, keep up. And I mean, there's so much going on now at this end of this year. It feels like everybody's squeezing their, their last, you know, <laughs> what they can make or whatever. These fights, man, it's insane. And uh, But uh, but as far as – let me start with uh, – uh, let me just give a big shout-out to Lopez. I think uh, the, the real move is – Fuck the rematch, move on, <laughs> you know, bigger and better things. I mean, Floyd didn't give uh, the De La Hoya rematch, so, uh, you know, there was no rematch clause. I say move on, fuck that. You know what I mean? Uh, if they can make that, and if, if uh, Loma works his way up, then, you know, I say talk about it, but then uh, I think uh, Lopez uh, should uh, should uh, just move on, you know what I mean? Bigger and uh, better things. And uh, also the, the Cuadras, uh, Cuadras Estrada, yeah, that was a war. Uh, I liked it. Uh, it looked shaky for Estrada in the beginning, but damn, dude, uh, Estrada pulled it off, man, at the 11th. And uh, but that, that was a guerra, man. That was a war, and uh, yeah, uh, all Mexican war. And uh, that was at the, uh, the uh, I believe that TV Azteca, the, where they've been holding down the, they've been holding down some of the deportes and a lot of those TV Azteca fights out in Mexico. And uh, that's a that's a really yep. nice. Um, you know, that's a really nice fucking uh, little studio there, man. It just, it just looks really nice to me. Just like I don't know. Uh, but uh, and then also too, man. Uh, let me talk. Uh, uh, what's his name? Gonzalez versus Gonzalez, man. The bat, the, the return of Chocolatito, uh, Israel. Man, uh, I was sad. <laughs> you know me, man. I was going for the Mexican all all, all day. Uh, fucking, you know, this was. Uh, I felt he did like this good was, though. Uh, is, he did. He did really good. But I, I felt like this was his. Uh, is, is like uh, 
Teofimo uh, fucking uh, Lopez uh, moment, you know what I mean? Because I think, I believe he was like 23 and Gonzalez was 33. And so, uh, uh, that is, but he he did show some balls, but you could you know you could tell like the levels. There was a uh, different levels there. It's just uh, he did seem a little bit more, uh, um, just kind of uh, still learning, you know, uh, in you know at, at at a young age or whatever. So, um, but yeah, as far as that, that was a uh, you know Mexican, uh, you know, Dazon holding it down for the Mexicans. But not only that, uh, shout out to Dazon for uh, the the double uh, Chavez header at, uh, in Mexico too, man. You know that went down of uh, you know a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago. Um, but, uh, you know, let me shout out to that because, like, it just went under the radar, uh, you know. But uh, but as far as that, too, man, um, what, what we got this fucking weekend, man, uh, we got the, the big fucking fight. Um, but also, uh, let me take note of that the, uh, that the, the co-main event, um, uh, the Barrios and uh, Carl, I think that Cowboy, you know, I think that fight is going to be a, a fun scrap to watch. Another, uh, a, a nice little, uh, you know, Mexican versus, uh, uh, you know, African-American fighter, you know what I mean? Like, I think uh, you know, I think that's going to be dope, man. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> this is going to be sick, man. And also, uh, but let me get into it, man. Uh, the, 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 the main event, bro, uh, we've been waiting, I've been waiting for this one, man. I mean, a lot of people think, you know, uh, uh Davis is going to go in here and, uh, you know, the, you know, be a train and, or a tank and just, you know, take care of business and, you know, whatever, but I don't think so, man. I think, you know, people are underestimating, uh, Leo Santa Cruz big time, man. I mean, the guy's got the reach, he's got the height. He does, he doesn't got the power, I'll admit that, but I think he's got the experience and he's also already, uh, over, overcome a, a loss. So against Frampton and, um, I just think, I think his odds are really good in this fight. Uh, I got him by, uh, the, uh, unanimous decision, uh, decision unanime, put it down, Chris. Uh, I've been saying it, man, Mexico, man. And, uh, and also too, let me, uh, uh, the fucking, um, the all access, man. If you've been checking those out, man, those get you hyped yeah. for the fights. Uh, man, uh, let me yeah, say something, man. Leo, Leo, Leo is a family dude. You, there's no way you cannot root for this guy coming into this fight. If you're just a boxing fan or just a casual fan in general, obviously, uh, Tank has got his fans, but man, that's just like this. I mean, the, the story behind this, uh, what is, what his father is going through, you know, all that, you know, it's just, you know, it's very emotional, man. It's just, it's, it's crazy. He's got to be tough. His dad's, you know, is obviously a tough man. Um, it's just, uh, it's just an incredible story right now. What's going on? And uh, he's fighting, man. And uh, and uh, and also too, yeah. I, I liked how they uh, they talked about. I believe they said uh, uh, in some interview where uh, Santa Cruz mentioned that um, that uh, that this was his dad's uh, uh, choice of fight that he uh, he wanted for his son. Um, and so I think you know he's going to be there. And it's awesome, man. And uh, I think uh, I think it's going to be good, man. It's because it's like it's it's a good uh, you know lifting spirits for. Leo Santa Cruz, but uh, but yeah, man, but it's gonna be an awesome night, man. I, I, like I said before, I, I got Leo Santa Cruz. The All Access is pretty dope. Uh, even on uh, Tane Davis' side, you know, he's working hard. And also too, let me mention that um, you know uh, the you know how they got the the date moved. Uh, I, I I don't believe it was because of the UFC uh because of all that whatever. Um, I believe it's just because Tank needed time to keep making weight. Uh, you know he. <laughs> You know, I mean, he has he has two fights, man. That's what no one's like. You know, people need to talk about. It. He's got two fights. He's got the weight, and he's got Leo Santa Cruz, man. And so, uh, I, you know, this is gonna be. But I don't the know. The venue has something to do with that too. The venue has something what? to do with that too, because now they're gonna be in a stadium, and that stadium was booked the twenty fourth. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. That's uh, that's uh, yeah. The fans are a plus, obviously. You know what I mean? The that's that's pretty cool, but uh. Um, I don't know. We're like, I, I don't even know if like, you know, I'm not, I'm not even thinking of fans or, uh, crowds right now. It's just like, you know, with, with this whole thing, you know, the COVID thing going on, it's kind of, you know, your, your mind's out of loop. You know what I mean? Like I, I completely forgot about that. You know what I mean? That they had fans. 
But uh, but yeah, it's a but yeah, it's, but the, the the fans are a plus. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. But in my opinion, it's because he needed time to make weight. Like you know, he needs more time. And uh, he's got the scales. We're definitely Friday. Uh, come Friday, we're definitely going to be uh, all excited because dude, he's got the, you know everybody's going to be like, is this dude going to make weight or not, man? I mean, he had trouble making 135, man. So I don't do. I don't know. And not only that, his promoters in there freaking being a cheerleader, you know, uh, trying to hype this dude up, man. I don't know. It's just too much, man. And, uh, but as far as that, yeah, uh, yo, Chris, let me get out of here, bro. You know what it is. Mexico all day. Viva Leo Santa Cruz. Decision unanime. Viva Mexico. There you go. Appreciate it as always, man. Yeah, you're right about that uh, That weigh-in, though. It is going to be. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. No doubt about it, man. And, you know, I will get into some other media stuff uh, in news and fight news and all that. Um, you know, I actually uh, just got a, a, a direct message. Somebody saying that, or actually a text message. Somebody talking about, I'll talk about it later. But anyway, um, you know, I'll say this. Leo Santa Cruz has been disrespected. Uh, majorly, that's not to sit there and say, oh, he's going to win this fight no problem or, or something like that, but you know, his only loss came, and we talk about excuses excuses and reasons, right? And sometimes it's a little somewhere in between. Sometimes it's clear-cut, and I remember when breaking down the rematch and some of the things he said about his father not being in camp and how they really focused on the come-forward game and then when his dad was trying to tell him, hey, you got to use your jab, you got to use the distance, you got to fight a different style, he wasn't able to do it because they hadn't really been working on it hard. And so he did mix in that for the rematch, obviously his father being in camp. His father's in camp just at a limited basis, obviously. But it's really just about, hey, you know, you can film the sparring and, and, and have him look at it if, if he needed to. But he is influenced in the camp a lot more than he was in that first fight, I guess you could say, because he wasn't even in camp at all. He was in the hospital. So, and that is a great story. I'm glad you brought that up, Orla, because it, it, it definitely is. It, it, I've always liked Santa Cruz. Um, and like I said, when people say, oh, he doesn't want to fight Russell. Okay, well, who is Russell fighting these last five years? I think people forget about that. Five years has gone by. And you had Mars twice, twice, which are, are legitimate fights. And you had Frampton twice, and now Gervonta. So here we are. And I know I've said this before, but, you know, that those five fights are pretty damn good. That's like the average of big fight a year. So, and that, that's usually what everybody else does, unless you're in a tournament. So, to me, I think he's, I don't know. I hear Chris Mannix and others, like uh, even Coppinger, but especially Mannix. Literally, he said that he's a shot fighter, gone, done, shop worn. Like, I know he has a action-packed style, but he's never been knocked out. He's has he been dropped as a pro? I think he actually did get dropped early in his career. Now that I think about it, but it, you know, he's he's not in there with some of these fighters. He's fought don't haven't landed big, big, big shots on him. He's always had a come-forward fighter style, no doubt. But to me, when he lost to Frampton, Frampton was the fighter of the year. 
the very next fight, he fought him and beat him. He beat who pretty much everybody said was the fighter of the year, and he did it with a jab. He did it with some smarts. And a lot of people look at his little right uh, hand twitch as a tell that he's going to throw his right hand, and it's really not a tell. He doesn't twitch it and then throw it automatically after it. He said he basically is like a reset mode. It's a it's a habit, but I don't think it's really all that bad of a habit. It, it gets mentioned in his big fights, but like I said, it's not like a twitch and then throw. He twitches it, but he's also like aligning it, he says. Like it's like reminding him to straighten his punches. And so, I don't know. I, I just think that I understand why he's the underdog. His defense is not that great at all, Right. He's got a reach in this fight. He's definitely got a reach. And he's got a really steady jab. Now, Gervonta, did he overtrain to make this weight? Maybe. Which I said, said would be, you know, that would be pretty ironic that he overtrained in this fight. But his body does look good. We haven't seen abs this early in camp type thing. You know what I mean? He does look like he, I think he'll make the weight, but we got to see. We got to see. But if it's true that he was at... You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You know what this is? A commercial? Right, and you know what that means. <gasps> Time for a snack? Wrong. I want you to do some heart-healthy exercise. Yes, you! Try some seated leg extensions right now. Just lift each leg up and extend it straight, one at a time, six to eight times. I can do that. Yes, you can! Remember, every commercial is a chance to sneak in heart-healthy activity. Visit findexerciseanywhere.com and speak with your doctor to learn more about the risks of heart failure. At 135 after a workout, two weeks before the fight, he shouldn't have a problem at all. But we don't know. We don't know until we actually see him. And then even if we do know on this fight, he's got to keep that going in order to be explosive. You need Gervonta to, to be able to throw combinations to be able to have that fast twitch that explosion you know that explosion when he lands a punch <clears throat> but he needs to be in 100 percent tip-top shape to show all that like i said i understand leo didn't look great at 130 in his first fight it does seem like featherweight is a much more comfortable weight much like mares was like 115 118 or was he 118 122 when he got to, you know, it was kind of in between when he got to 126. I remember that Ponce de Leon fight may have been one of his better performances of his career. But there were some other times you're like, man, he just just a little, little. But, you know, with Leo, he has some height. He doesn't have, like, these big, broad shoulders. Uh, he is skinny and all that. But he looks like he's in good shape. My point is, I think the jab in just – being a vet, having a lot of experience, having a lot of rounds, having the activity. Now, I don't think he should land like a 
I don't think he should double and triple his jab or nothing like that. I mean, if it's landing, hey, double it up. But I wouldn't get too caught up in throwing too many jabs because they can be countered. And when he's on his game, Gervonta, he is a lot better boxer than people give him credit for. He's not just a one-punch guy. He can actually stand pretty close to you, duck a punch, and land it right back. Uh, He showed it against Pedraza over and over again. Now, I think Tank's going to win the fight. But to sit there and say, like, Mannix, and, you know, I I pick on Mannix a lot. It's not really picking on him because this fucking guy is so skewed. Like, we get it. Like, you work for the zone. Do we get it? But, you know, anyway, I I just wouldn't go out there and call him this. He's he's a shot fighter. And he literally said about six or seven rounds, he's just going to destroy him and then highlight real knock him out. I mean, I don't know. I do think he's going to be a lot more focused, Gervonta. So I, I, and at 130, 130 fits in better right now, too, if he can get to the weight. Right? So I have Gervonta winning. Could it be a knockout? Sure. I think it'd be more of a TKO stoppage. Um, I could see at some point, I think Tank's, or I'm sorry, at, at, well, Tank is going to land something clean and early on you can tell Leo's definitely going to try to use his length and I think that's how you win this fight you either got to be on the outside and using that length and covering up pretty well or closing that gap so you don't get on the end Gervonta's explosive punches and you could smother him you know Pedraza actually had success like a lot of success in two rounds then the other not as much um but he was close to him. The best rounds were when he was actually close to him. Now, that's normally not how Pedraza fights, per se. He's more of an in-and-out guy, and he can be on the move. But I don't think – here's the point. If they make Leo be on the move on the outside the whole time rather than just circling and pivoting – or not even pivoting, but just circling and jabbing, and, and, and so you're at the end of the pocket – they're like at the edge of the pocket, then I think that's going to be good. But if Gervonta can get him on the move and back it up and all that, then I think there's a problem. And that's where I think the problem lies. I think he's going to, he's going to catch him with flush shots. I think maybe early and late, you'll see Leo being tentative, uh, not with the jab, but as far as letting his hands go in combination. But at some point, I think if Leo's down on the scorecards and he's getting picked apart, I do think we'll see two things. One, Leo going for it. And two, near the end of it, if let's say it is a stoppage or whatever, I, I see Leo on the ropes covering up and getting hit by a lot of shots. Um, so I think Gervonta will win this fight. Um, I could see a late stoppage, maybe. It all kind of matters. Tank could be so dialed into this thing that he's in the best shape of his life. And then we see a tank we haven't seen in every fight. And then you're like, oh, shit. You know, I think he's very capable of that. I don't think he's going to look like he did against Gamboa. But I think he'll win by unanimous decision. I think he's just too fast. I think his, his explosiveness. And like I said, he can cut off a ring. And when he's on his game, it's sharp and ready to – you know, when he's got a guy hurt or something, to really let it go with combinations or to be sharp and, and use that fast twitch or just use that boxing ability where he can use his upper body movement 
to duck a punch and counter back. But I do see Tank winning this fight, but I think it's a really good fight. Um, as far as the undercard, I really think that they need, and I'll go over some of the other parts of the schedule in just a second. Um, I think if Diego Magdanello and Isaac Cruz, if that tur- that's the first fight on the card. If that turns out to be a competitive, like competitive fight, which I actually think it'll be a little bit more than, I think it will be. I think Isaac Cruz is kind of a live dog in this one, but um if that's a good fight where you're like, oh, dude, then I think the, the undercard would just find its group because I favor Progre against Heraldez. He's a good outside fighter, Juan Heraldez is, but I think Progre will break him down, body and head, and, and get him out of there. But it'll be fun. It'll be fun watching it. And Progre, you know, with the PBC now, he's looking to really be with the PBC, and he knows he needs to make a nice little splash. So I think that works both ways. I think he'll get his splash but he may get hit a little bit more trying to make a splash in the pool, if, if that makes sense. As far as um, Barrios and Ryan Carl, that's just a brawl. That's just a brawl. Carl now actually has a full camp. I think he's with Ronnie Shields. But I, I think uh, I like Barrios to win the fight going away after a while, but it'll be an action because Carl, it, he's coming to fight. This dude's coming to fight. Um, and he's a redhead, um, white, like Canelo looking dude, actually. He's not, uh, uh, he's not black like, uh, Portland said. Uh, I, I think he said Barrios and I think he messed him, messed that up or something. But so, like I said, I really think if they can get a competitive tight fight out of Magdanello Cruz, it'll set the tone and then it'll just be good action pack fights after that, uh. Michelle Riviera against uh, Ladarius Miller, I kind of like on the undercard as well. I don't know if that's going to be on um, on stream or something like that. As far as the other action, uh, Inoue and Maloney on ESPN Plus that night. Uh, Brognica against uh, um, Meyer. Mayer, I mean, that's going to be a good fight. I'm looking forward to that fight. I think that's a, a, a time for. Uh, her to kind of step up, um, Mayor. She's been looking for a big fight. I think Brodnica, uh, I think her name is. I think that'll be a fun fight. Um, but we'll see. I, I, I favor Mikhail in that fight. I think she's a really good fighter. Um, Jared Anderson against uh, Luis Eduardo Pena is, is on that card as well. Um, and also, and that's DeZone. DeZone also has a uh, a Friday card, which on the middle level on this stuff, I like this. I like this card. Uh, Jaime Munguia against Torino Johnson. I think that's a good test for him at middleweight. And um, Ellis and Rocha. I like that fight a lot. Elvin uh, Soto. and Oh, the, the other one, Marlon Asperza against uh, Suleim Urbina. I think it is. Urbina. That's a good fight. I actually favor... Urbina in that one, but that is a good, good card. They, that's a good overall card. Um, Alan Campbell might be a test as well in that. Lamont Roach Jr.'s on that, so that's that's interesting. I do have Munguia winning it, but I think that that's not going to be easy. Kind of matters where Torino Johnson is at this point. Um, and then of course, DAZN Sky Sports uh, pay per view, Alexander Usyk 
versus Derek Jasora. Is this a great fight? Is this a fight where you think, oh, this is a pay-per-view fight? No, so I can understand the UK fans being a little pissed off. Everything's relative. We say, well, dude, at least you only have to pay 25 bucks for it rather than 75 but that's their pay-per-view. So it's kind of like, well, yeah, but we, you know, it's they, they don't like it. But it is what it is. Um, but as far as the fight goes, I do like it for a heavyweight test. This is like a perfect contender, fringe contender, I'd say. Think fringe contender when you think it's Chisora until you look at both Dillian White fights. And you're like, well, he's still a contender. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I think that's a good fight. I think that's a really good fight for where he's at. Like I said, I think Usyk will win, and I think it'll be by TKO, uh, possibly. Otherwise, they'll just outbox him. But I like it because it's a test, and Usyk didn't look great in his in his first fight. And it's been he, you know, ever since he won that title, what has he had like one fight, something like that, two fights, one fight. So it's it's been a little standstill. Um, and then the uh, Marshall Rankin fight, I have interest in. Also, um, George uh, Cambosos, is that what it is, against Lee Selby. This one's at 130. I don't know exactly how Selby will look at 130. So I favor Cambosos in this fight. It took a while to get made, but I I think that could be a a really interesting fight. That same day, Marat Gassiv returns uh, um, from Russia as well. But, you know, I, I, I really like... I think, let me see, most of the favorites, let's see, the favorites will win this week. Is there any, is there any underdog? Well, Lee Selby's a plus 120, so that's that's probably the closest fight of the weekend. Uh, McCarthy and Lagoon, Lagoon, that's one plus 160 and minus 185, 175, I'm seeing two for McCarthy, so that's a good fight, but I think that Cambosos, Lee Selby's probably the, well, it is, uh, odds-wise, the closest fight. Um, that's, a, that's a good fight there. I like that. Oh, Christopher Love joined David Allen as well. That's a, that's a late replacement, I believe. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I favor Inoue. I think Maloney's just a little too slow for him. Uh, I think he'll look really good. People have been talking about his eye and how it doesn't look that great. Um, you know, just based off, you know, him, when you look at his eyes, you got you to, you know, I, I, I see what people are talking about. Like, his eye doesn't look great. But also, I've only seen one photo of it where it didn't look great, per se. And that could have been the angle, the lighting a little bit. You know, it, sometimes, I don't know. We're going to find out. But I really hope his eye is okay, obviously. And I, I, if it was bad, I don't think they'd, you know, he seems like he's a worthy guy to, uh, you know, um, put your money behind. And he's got a two-fight deal per year at the MGM. So I don't think they'd just go ahead and just throw him away that early. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I have Germonte by a unanimous decision or a late TKO. I have Usyk the same thing. way the same thing. I think he'll stop Maloney. Say KO, TKO style, maybe ninth round or something like that. Um, so yeah, the rest of the show we got 20 minutes left. It's going to be some heavy news stuff. I have been getting some messages here that I'll respond to. Just to double up what Carcino said, 
the Hector Camacho, Macho, it says. The Hector Camacho story premieres December 4th on Showtime. And I'm really looking for it. It's called Macho, the Hector Camacho story. That's pretty dope, man. I'm definitely looking forward to that. That's going to be sweet. Okay. Um, as far as Bob Arum, talking about Devin Haney, we remember in the press conference and him and Eddie were going back and forth. And Bob said, yeah, well, Haney's not going to get a shot. And they were talking about Loma at the time, but he's not going to get a shot because he's signed with the wrong company. You know, and everyone's like, oh, shit, and all that. Well, here's Aram adding a little bit more here lately. This is from yesterday on Boxing Scene, Dan Raphael. Um, Aram on Lopez's future. This is the headline. Garcia and Davis are big fights. Haney is not. Um, says Teofimo, Lopez figures to have, you know, several high-profile lucrative op- offers. Blah, 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 blah. Next move is not clear. Bob Aram, uh, who promotes them, said there's plenty of, you know, options out there. Um, and they're looking at Gervonta Davis, Ryan Garcia, even Felix Verdejo, which would be a big fight in New York for obvious reasons. I want to hear what he and his father uh, have to say before I start giving him advice, because obviously the weight and everything, it depends on what he wants, you know, where he wants to fight. Once they tell me how they want to want it to go, I'll tell them what opportunities are at each weight class, which makes sense, right? I know he will want to go in February or as early as possibly January. We have Shakur Stevenson slated. Um, so that's his date. So they have the January date for Stevenson. By the way, Stevenson's trying to get a fight with Mares. I saw that on Twitter. We gotta go. We gotta get the football season over, and we'll give Tiafimo the next spot, which is in February. His dream is to fight the Ramirez Taylor winner, but I'll have to explain to him that the earliest possible that could take place is at the end of next year, because Taylor Ramirez will fight in the spring, and the winner is obligated to fight the mandatory challenger Jack Catterall. Both guys committed to that, so whoever wins has to. Now, when we say they have to, we know they don't have to. They would just, but after unification, you know, there's a good chance you're going to drop the belts. Or, you know, if Ramirez says, ah, I might as well just make one more little payday, or Taylor, whoever wins, beats him and then drops it. So it's that fight, like I was saying earlier, first of all, there's some management that makes it interesting, but also I just don't, you know, I don't see that part. But he'd also brought up, uh, Jose Pedraza, Jose Zapata, Arnold Barboza Jr. as far as 140. And if Lo- Lopez decides to be at 135, um, he says if Teofimo stays at 135 to defend his, his biggest fight if Garcia beats Luke Campbell as Garcia, for him to fight Garcia would be a huge fight given the social media following and they have a great relationship with Golden Boy. Aram said he would also be interested to put him together a fight with Tank if Tank, you know, beats Leo Santa Cruz. Davis has been Davis has been because of Floyd promoted pretty well, particularly in the urban communities. So that would be a pretty interesting fight too. That would be a huge fight. Um, if they did that at the Barclays or something, oh my God. Um, but he also said Haney is not known outside of the hardcore boxing fans. He's spot on a platform that doesn't reach anybody. Unlike Haney, Davis has gotten eyeballs. Haney has not gotten eyeballs. It's his own platform has virtually no subscribers right now. Haney doesn't have eyeballs. That's the other two guys they do, blah, blah, blah. 
lot. Right now, Tiafimo is the big guy coming off a Lomachenko fight. He has the biggest network in the ESPN, so therefore, Garcia fight could be on ESPN. The Jordante fight could be on ESPN because we have a good relationship with Mayweather. I don't know about that. But he's basically saying, you got to fight me on here. We're not taking it to the zone. Also, if the fight is deemed big enough, top ranking premier boxing champion, which you know Davis works for, could do an ESPN Fox combo. Um, that's what he thinks. While uh, Wilder, while Aaron thinks Lopez will be back February, he hopes to put Lopez for Dejo Madison Square Garden. Just sign that fight up. To be honest with you, that's what I think they're going to do. That's the one thing we're hoping to get done uh, with the Stallion Lopez. If I told him he'd have to wait until June for Puerto Rican Day Parade, he would rebel. I can go with him on February and then do a June fight. If we did Lopez spot for uh, Verdejo in the parade, yeah, okay. So maybe that wouldn't be next. Maybe maybe it'd be Pedraza and then him. I don't know. Or maybe a better combo would be Verdejo and then Pedraza. I don't know. Maybe they don't let up put Pedraza on the co-feature or something like that. Anyway... That's about it when it comes to that type of stuff. Like I said, during the boxing Twitter segment, we'll have some more Loma, Lomachenko stuff. I did get a tweet saying, the zone has all, or not a tweet, but a text. The zone has all the talent. Oh, it's on the Charlo Andre thing, uh, defending Mannix. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. Like, that's cool. Like, I want to see Charlo Andre, too. We've, we've gone over it. I'm not going to go over what I think of it. We know both of them got career-high uh, offers from both sides. They didn't take it. We can sit there and cry over spilled milk if we want. I've already given my take on that. My thing with the zone has always been, okay, that fight's not going to happen, but if you have all these fighters at 160 and 168, then make it happen. Like, they made... You know, Jacobs and Canelo about a year and change ago, right? Last May or two Mays ago, right? So now Golovkin and Derevchenko was for the IBF sanctioning belt. So they they paid him. They didn't necessarily make that in-house, but, hey, it still was a great fight. That's for sure. Um, but they keep talking about this Charlo Andre, and that's cool. I'm not – it is weird for Maddox to even like Andre. And I wonder if he did before he started working on the zone, because you'd think the fact that the guy's made so many bad choices in his career that he would rip them. But obviously he's not going to rip them now. Um, but here's my point. You know, the Canelo thing, and I don't want to repeat this, but Canelo and Floyd, it, it seems like the same thing. The 147 pounders all wanted to fight with Floyd. It seems like the same thing going on here in general because we know Golovkin's not going to fight anybody until he gets that Canelo fight, which I don't blame him. But remember, when he said Billy Joe Saunders or Callum Smith, if they don't get the Canelo fight, they're going to fight each other. So this is how it's played out. Okay, so the two fights this year that Andre has, look at them. Now look at Charlo. He just fought Derevchenko, and now it sounds like he's going to fight Eubank Jr. Who's Andre fighting? He's fighting Harrison, a guy who, sure, he's unbeaten. Sure, he had a great amateur pedigree, no doubt about it. But he was unbeaten 
at welterweight, dude. This is this fight's at 168. So, and they're not even hyping this card to say Jacobs, you know, if these guys win, maybe they will, you know, when they get there. But it hasn't been spoke upon when they talked about this fight. But like I said, if you got all the talent, if Charlo's ruining everything, you can't have all the talent or a lot of the talent and speak of, well, any middleweight fight's got to happen here and all that. And I get that. I understand saying that. But my point is you can't say that. And then look at the fights that you put on. So Charlo fought, fought Derevchenko. Sounds like it's going to be Eubank Jr. If Canelo comes off of the uh, zone, I'm assuming he Charlo and Canelo will happen. That'd be a pretty damn good run, wouldn't it? <laughs> right. But anyway, let's see what's happened since this spring when we had this big debate. Jacobs is fighting Gabriel Rosario. I mean Rosado. He already fought Chavez. Why does he need another stay busy fight? I'm not, hey, I think I think it's his last fight on the contract. I'm not dissing Jacobs. I don't think he's afraid of people. It's not that at all. But Jacobs and Andre are fighting on the same card in mismatches. Now, they're going to be fun fights to watch. Him and Gabe have this beef. It'll be entertaining, but it's a mismatch. So you have Jacobs and Andre on the same card why isn't Maddox saying, what the fuck is this? And then Billy Joe Saunders is facing old-ass Martin Murray. I like Martin Murray a whole lot, but come on, guys. And we don't know who Callum Smith fighting. You know, he should probably fight the guy he just had a draw with or, you know, had a, a really close fight with, I should say. But that guy's fighting somebody else. So now you talk about these four dudes, obviously, with Canelo and Golovkin on the zone, but in Golovkin, we know, is just fighting this stay-busy guy trying to get that Canelo fight. We don't know what else is going to happen if Canelo leaves. But you have Jacobs and Andre on the same card not fighting each other. So Andre's going to fight a blown-up welterweight who hasn't beaten anybody really that good. Like, really that good, especially when it's at 168 or even 160. I know he's had a couple of fights uh, since he's been you know back, but... To me, it's like, all right, dude, but, you know, I I was talking about let's see how this all plays out, and look how it's all played out. So, okay, like I said, Charlo won't go to DAZN. Okay, so what else do you guys got there? You can't be, well, they're stopping us because Charlo won't come here. Well, what the fuck? Why don't you make your own fights then? They made their own fight with Charlo Charlo and Derevchenko. Anyway, um... And then I got another message saying I ducked the rating <laughs> last week. I only I didn't report their extra million plus viewers on ESPN uh, Plus in ESPN. Well, this is according to Bob Arum. He said this. Um, there's no there was no press release from ESPN saying they had 1.5 uh, or 1 million or whatever it was. Because I did hear him say this. I think it was in a Ring magazine, or not Ring magazine, but a Ring TV article that he said that. And and that's cool. That may be. It's just if they do a million views on ESPN Plus, that generally brings a press release. Now, I didn't see the press release. Maybe it came out. They didn't. I didn't get it. I didn't see it anywhere. Maybe I'm wrong, and I'll fully admit it. But 
that's just Bob talking. I don't know. I hope that that would be dope if there was another million, but it just doesn't really line up. Like, if there's a million, why wouldn't they have made that, you know, why wouldn't they have released a million or 1.5? Because it's vague what this text is saying. Because I do remember this, though, reading this, but it's like, it was just an article from Bob. It's not a press release. To me, it seems like I, I've seen ESPN Plus and what they do, pr, you know, press releases for. And I guess you could say even DAZN, right? They did a press release uh, before for Canelo and Jacobson, and whatnot. But in Ruiz and in uh, uh, Joshua too. But I'm not doubting it 100. percent But I can't sit there and say. First of all, I didn't duck it because the information wasn't available when I did the show last week, but I did big ups them, you know, and if you're going to say, oh, that you're against top rank or uh, otherwise PBC had this rating, you do that. Well, I had the, uh, see a senior writer, Jake Donovan on the show from boxing scene, which is owned by someone that does business with the BBC. And we basically talked mostly top rank stuff and said, this is their best, uh, marketing run besides their opener against Pacquiao and Horn, they, they marketed the shit out of this fight, and this is their best run of schedule since the deal. So you're, you're telling me I'm biased, but so why in the hell did I have the lead writer from a site that I believe CBS Sports owns? And we're on here talking about top right. So, like I said, show me the press release where ESPN said we had 1.5 million people on ESPN Plus, and I believe they said the app. Show me it, and then I'll give it credit, but you can't diss me for not doing it when it didn't happen. And then there was another message here, uh, the U.K. media thing. Clearly, Hearn and the U.K. media were just dumping on Wilder. They're, they're starting rumors that he's going to retire, and, you know, I, I, he's a disgrace in, in how he screwed over the television networks. Now, they're left holding the bag, and it wasn't just Hearn. It was the U.K. media, a couple different members and it's like well hold on like how can you extend the agreement when the other guy doesn't want to fight one month or two months later he wants to fight in December now I didn't say Fury ducked anybody but it's just kind of funny and this is just a Fury thing to do but how is it Wilder's team and Wilder's fault when they had a date Bob's the one who brought this information to us originally. That's what's funny. And I did say, well, maybe Tyson Fury is sending out a strong warning saying, hey, this next date is the last date we're going to do. That could be. It doesn't seem like that now. It actually seems like he's going to fight December 5th. But anyway, um, to sit there and say, well, you should have extended the clause. Well, if both networks are saying we want the fight in January and February, because that date doesn't work, well, the date doesn't work. It is pretty obvious, but how is it all Wilder's side? How can you extend the agreement if it's, you know, I, I don't know. It's just weird. It's like, aren't you happy that there's not a risk of Fury getting knocked out? So then he's going to get to fight AJ as long as he gets by Pula? It's just weird to, like, thing. I just think if the shoe was on the other foot and Wilder would have dipped, I think he would have got a lot of shit. He would have got shit either way. As a boxing fan, though, it doesn't get us any quicker, any faster to the fight, though, that we all want to see. It doesn't get us there quicker. So that's what's kind of throwing me off. 
Anyway, real quick, got a little bit more time left. Um, Lance Pogmeyer was talking about, you know, I, we gave the the fight, the marketing, everything. It was a great, I mean, this was the return of boxing as far as, hey, we're still doing our thing, don't forget us. But as far as it, this fight changing the landscape for boxing, and now it'll get back in the mainstream based off this fight. Couldn't you have said that um, about a rating? What, what did it peak at, 2.9? Well, a fight that peaked at 2.4 on Fox was Charlo Harrison 2, and that was a back-and-forth fight. There was knockdowns. It ended with a knockout. That'd be like me saying this is what the, this fight's going to bring back the mainstream. To be honest with you, hardcore fight fans like this fight, especially the second half. But they could see what, you know, a guy like Lopez was doing to him in the first six, seven rounds. But it's just weird to sit there and it's because, you know, it's not the PBC. And this is just true. Like, you don't hear this stuff when they did better ratings with big-ass fights. So, to me, it's just kind of funny. Like, why can't you just give them credit? But here, I'll let him say it. I'll let him how good of a night was this for the sport that we were able to uh, um, see this type of attention on the sport? Oh, man. It's just further backing of what you and I and you know all the other media members continue to hammer home. You know, people do care about boxing. People love the sport. They just want to see the best fight the best. And, look, ESPN got behind this fight. They pushed it hard. They treated it like the super fight that it was. And the fans turned out. You know, we hear all the time about, oh, we need this lead-in and that lead-in. I think that's all bullshit. By the way, it had like a 2.5 or 2.9 or something lead-in. Lead-ins are not bullshit, but anyway. If you have a great product, people are going to find it. And they found this fight, and it's just further proof. We have to get away from this pay-per-view model that's been shrinking the audience since the 90s, slowly but surely. And that's a fair statement, but why weren't you saying this for the last chunk of years? Why only when the PBC are doing the pay-per-views? That's my problem. You know, we have... We have Tank versus Santa Cruz on pay-per-view next week. And what does it do on pay-per-view? My guess is between, you know, 175 and 225. Um, I think Lomachenko versus Lopez, if it was on pay-per-view, would have done maybe similar or a little less. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have this fight. We have the monster in a way coming on Halloween. We've got Terrence Crawford in November. And then we've got Burchell and Valdez in December, all free on ESPN. And, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, when ESPN can look at the ratings that the sport has generated, this may be the tipping point that ultimately does bring boxing back to mainstream network television and gets it off pay-per-view, uh, especially when you can compare and contrast those numbers. But you see what it says? There's not going to be one fight that kills boxing, one fight that saves it. We've been saving this for saying this for years, but it's just so funny that now it's going to go back to network TV as if the last five years there wasn't boxing wasn't on network TV. And he also PBC they they did the time by, but they got the deal. And like I said, for ten Fox deals now this year, it's been hit or miss on the Fox uh, main events. We've said that all year, but. It's just so funny to say, now, this is the tipping point. Oh, so this is the tipping point that got us back. Okay, interesting. Anyway, it just, the media is so skewed. It's so crazily screwed. 
it's it, it skewed, I should say, but it is what it is. Um, the show's about to cut off, um, so I'm just going to kind of do my thing, and then it'll just cut off. Um, real quick, DeZone Golden Boy both request dismissal of uh, the Canelo case in favor of arbitration. They want to work out a deal rather than go in the court and go through the process, the discovery, and all that. They want to keep a lot of stuff sealed in the lawsuit. They don't. They, they don't want any of that. They, they they basically are saying, "Hey, that's the the newest report from yesterday." Is that uh, basically they they want to dismiss the Canelo case and just go right to arbitration? And we have talked about how you know the arbitration is clearly in the contract, so they would probably rather uh, do that, which which makes sense for them. Um, Eddie Hearn has stated that Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua one is being targeted for April, May, or June 2021, with Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua Part Two denied for November or December 2021. That's according to Sky Sports Pay Per View. And we are done. Peace. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Haverty's Furniture is here to help you get your home all set for the new year so you can set the stage with more style, set the bar more beautifully, and set a more show-stopping table. Let's set some time aside to settle in on a new sofa together because being at home shouldn't mean having to settle for less. And Haverty's Furniture can help you start the new year off right at their holiday savings event so you can create the perfect setting. And right now, everything's on sale store-wide. 